All right, Ephesians chapter number four tonight, Ephesians chapter number four, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us this evening, and it's just been a wonderful day in God's house amongst God's people. I'm certainly thankful for what God uh, has been doing for some time now, and certainly excited about what uh, God has for us in the future, and so we just continue to uh, enjoy His blessings. Aren't you thankful for the blessings of the Lord? and enjoy his uh, uh, goodness to us. And tonight we want to uh, stay somewhat in the theme of the day, a, a clean heart, a clean heart Sunday. And <laughs> I want to come at it from a, a little bit different angle this evening. I want to re read a, a fairly familiar passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter number four. We'll begin reading in verse number 20 in just a moment. Uh, but tonight is probably going to feel more like a Wednesday night Bible study than it would a normal Sunday night message, uh, but there are some truths that I uh, want us to grab a hold of and be reminded of. Uh, I, I have discovered in my Christian life, and certainly in my uh, nine years of pastoring, uh, that there's just some things that we know that we need to be reminded of over and over and over again. See, Pastor, are you saying that we're hard-headed? That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we need to be reminded. Uh, we make the Christian life a whole lot more complicated than it really is. It's not complicated. God tells us what we're to do. I didn't say it was always easy, uh, but it's good for us to be reminded. And I think tonight will be a good reminder for us <coughs> as we see what the Lord has for us. Ephesians 4, verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ... If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed Unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I want you to keep your Bibles open to Ephesians 4. We're going to look at these verses again. But tonight I want to speak on the subject of a heart under the wrong influence. A heart under the wrong influence. Our, our, our verse for the whole campaign, a diligent heart campaign, uh, comes out of the book of Proverbs, and it reminds us that from the heart, all the issues of life, our thinking, our actions, uh, it all comes from the heart. That's why uh, we ought to guard it with all diligence. Uh, and tonight we're going to be reminded this is certainly true. And so if that is true, and it is, we need to make sure our heart is under the right influence. And we're going to look at that this evening. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, help us as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God teach us, instruct us. And Father, may we leave tonight having been reminded of some very important things that will be evident in the life of a Christian. 
Uh, may we <coughs> shun the things that we need to stay away from. May we <coughs> make sure our heart is under the right influence. Uh, may what we do tonight uh, help us serve you, please you in a greater way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ephesians, of course, is a wonderful book of the Bible. Chapter number four is a uh, chapter that is very important in the life of the Christian. And, and certainly it's full of wonderful truths. We could preach a series of sermons from Ephesians chapter number four. I thought about doing it all tonight, but I, 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 I'm going to stick with the outline. But let me remind you very quickly, as Paul writes uh, in, in come to chapter number four, uh, he reminds the Christian that uh, in verse number one, that they should walk worthy. Uh, friend, you and I are saved. If you're, you're a Christian, you're a child of God. We ought to walk worthy uh, of that salvation. We ought to walk worthy. We don't earn our way to heaven. There's nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven. But because I'm going to heaven, my walk ought to be a walk that reflects that I am a redeemed, born-again child of God. As a Christian, uh, we ought to walk worthy. Uh, he reminds the Christian in the beginning of chapter number 4 that uh, there is not only just a way we should walk, uh, but there's a spirit of unity that we should have. How do we have unity? It is around the, the one book, one God, one salvation, one faith. Uh, that's what uh, we have unity on. Uh, God never, never, you, you, if God had a card, he don't. He wouldn't have a coexist bumper sticker on it. Uh, there's one faith, uh, there's one truth, and uh, that is where we get unity. That's why one, is, one of the responsibilities as the pastor I have, as the shepherd of the church, is to walk guard around God's church and make sure that no faith contrary to his faith enters into uh, the, the house of God. No, 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 tr no, no error uh, creeps in as part of the responsibility I have. That's where unity comes from. He continues to write and he reminds the Christian of the importance of the church, the, the purpose of the church and <coughs> serving him through the church. And quite, quite frankly and quite, and quite obviously as the church, we, we, there's things that God gives to the church. He gives, he gives the pastor and uh, he, gives, uh, he has other offices that <coughs> through, through the centuries that he has used, <coughs> but it's for the perfecting of the saints. It doesn't mean the, you're going to become perfect, uh, but the completion, the perfecting, we're in the process. We ought to be improving. The church helps us be a better Christian. The bottom line is you're a better Christian being part of church than not being part of church. That's just the reality of it. Uh, it's true of everybody. That's why uh, if, you, if you get sick for a period of time, and I know there's a lot of that, that that we've had to endure through the months, get back in church as soon as you're able to get back in church. Uh, <coughs> you go on vacation, which I, of course, encourage you to do as you're able to do it. Get back in, get in the house of God. Get in your spot. Be, be where you're supposed to be. Why? Because when we commit ourselves... After all, Jesus founded it. He founded it with a purpose. It, it perfects us. It helps us. Hey, he also reminds in Ephesians 4 that it's through the church and as we grow, we're not as little children deceived by every new doctrine that comes our way, tossed to and fro. We become grounded doctrinally in his word. As he continues to write, he, in verse 17, as he's already said in verse number 1, we walk worthy. Then he reminds the Christian to walk not as the other Gentiles walk. Well, this is a 
good reminder for us. It's a message all in itself. These Gentiles that were being born again, trusting Christ as their Savior, he reminds them, you don't walk as other Gentiles walk because you're born again, because you're a child of God. The same is true of the Christian today. We should not walk as this world walks because this isn't our, we're not a citizen of this country. Uh, we belong to that place called heaven. And that, that is our home. We, we're, we're, we're a child of God. Uh, we, we should walk differently. Then he gets down to verses 20 through 24. And I want to take a moment by way of uh, introduction and, and remind us and look at what he's saying there. Uh, he says in verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, he's addressing some things in this chapter. He reminds the church in this chapter, walk worthy. He reminds them there's unity around one faith, one God, one baptism. He reminds them that the church is here to help, and we need to be on board with what God is doing through the church doctrinally, where they be the same. He says, don't walk like the, like, like the unsaved Gentiles walk. Now he begins to address what is important so that we can do what's already been said. You follow me? Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation... The old man, when the old man is written about, that's not your husband, ladies. When the old man is written about, that is the unsaved man. That is what we were before we were saved. The word conversation is not just what we say with our mouth. It is our manner of living, the way we live. He's saying, you're going to have to put that man off. Now, it is true that when we are saved, the moment our heart believes under righteousness, we are born again. The Spirit of God seals us until the day of redemption. <clears throat> I don't have time to go through it tonight, but to remind you quickly, uh, my record... God's re Jesus' record became my record at that moment, and I am clean in the sight of God, as are you, once we put our faith and trust in Christ. It is true that the Spirit of God begins to change our desires. And that's why, as they, so you see somebody get saved, they start getting to church, <clears throat> the things that used to satisfy them don't satisfy them like they used to satisfy them. That's because we have been changed. That's because we are the redeemed. But there needs to come a time when the child of God, the Christian, decides, I'm going to put off the way of living of the old man. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to, those, those, the, for example, those words that were a habit to say, I'm going to make a point that I'm not going to say that anymore. The places I used to go, I'm going to make a point to not go there anymore. The things I used to do, I'm going to make a point. Why, we still have the flesh. The flesh still has an appetite. We have to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to do the things that an unsaved man does. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you need to decide to put off the old man, the way of living as an unsaved person, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. An unsaved man, we get mad at the unsaved sometimes, but they're just acting like the unsaved. They, they live according to their deceitful lust. The philosophy today that can be summed up is, is just live for yourself and please yourself and don't worry about the consequences. And, 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 we get, and that's not a way a Christian should live, but that's the way an unsaved man is. That's the way we were before we were saved. 
And he says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, here's the second part of this change that's got to take place. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, we become a new creature at salvation. Paul also writes about that. But there needs to come a conscious decision. All of us are here on a Sunday night because there became a time when we decided, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. We decided, I'm going to make a commitment, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Bible study, we decided. A decision has to be made, I'm going to put off. When my flesh has those desires, I'm putting it off. I'm going to put on the new man. I'm making a decision that there are things I need to do. Now, that's going to help us. You've got to decide. Maybe you haven't been saved very long. You've got to decide. There's some things I'm not going to do. Every child of God, you decide these things and don't go revisit it. There's places that things that I'm going to stay away from. There's things I'm going to do. Let me say it like this. <clears throat> we have to decide on Monday morning when I go out in this world, I have to decide that I want to please God in my life as a Christian. I've got to decide not to say the first thing that comes to my mind. And then as we go through our, our day in, in, on Monday and go through the week, as we have had to live in this world and we hear the language of the world, we hear the philosophy of the world, we see what the world does, we've got to make a point that that's not what I want, make a conscious decision, I'm not going to let that influence me, affect me. It's putting off, it's putting on. Now, as we have all of this, as Paul is writing about, I want us to keep in mind there's a conscious decision. Yes, we are changed. Yes, our desires change. Uh, yes, there, there are things that God does on the inside, as we talked about this morning, changes from the inside. That is absolutely true. But you still have this old flesh. It still has some desires. Now, through salvation, through Christ, we have power over that flesh. But you've got to submit your heart to the wrong influence. And that brings us to verse number 27. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I got saved just a couple months shy of my fifth birthday. You say, can children get saved? And, 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 yes, they can get saved. Because I got saved. And, and I've never doubted my salvation. Um, I say all that to say that even as a child, when I got saved, the moment my heart believed, the moment my heart in its faith said, I believe in what Jesus did, dying on the cross, paying for my sins, raising again as, 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 as the victorious son of God. I didn't believe everything that happened, but I believed that I was on my way to hell. I was a sinner. There was a price for my sins, and Jesus paid that price for me, and all I had to do was trust him, and I did it. In that instant, the Spirit of God came into my heart, as we say, came into my life, dwells within us. That same Spirit seals us unto the day of redemption. I couldn't lose my salvation if I wanted to. I'm sealed. Uh, the, the, the false teaching that says you can lose your salvation and, and you have to get it back, that's a, that, that's a slander against the Spirit of God. 
Because we are sealed unto the day of redemption. It, I'm not saved because of me. I'm saved because of Christ and what he did. And my faith in that. So we have, as a child of God, I can give place to the devil or I can yield myself to the Spirit of God. And my heart is going to bear out which I let influence me. Let me paint a picture for you, if I could. We know Satan, we need to be reminded that Satan is a real being. There is a spiritual world that we cannot see. It is very real. And if we look through the lens of Scripture, we're reminded that a political party is not in control. A European Union is not in control. Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, none of them are in control. The prince in the power of the air is in control. It is his domain at this time. Now, as I say that, don't be afraid. Because through Christ, we have the victory. Through the Spirit of God. Now, the devil's not scared of me, but he's scared of the Holy Spirit. He's scared of this book. He's scared of our Heavenly Father. And we have victory through him. But we need to be reminded we have a real enemy. It is the devil. Now, imagine... Now, he doesn't run around with a pitchfork and horns. He's very much appearing as an angel of light, as the New Testament tells us. But let's just say he was running around like that. Who, what child of God in their right mind, would leave their front door open and have an invitation for the devil to come visit their home. They would set a place for him at the dinner table. They'd set a place for him to sit in fellowship in their living room. We would all say, no, no Christian in their right mind, no child of God would do that. Yet, yet... Our actions often bear the opposite. Through the means that he has, we open our homes to the devil. But what I want to focus on tonight, and that's why, that's why you got to be careful what comes on your television. That's why you got to be careful what plays on the radio and comes across your cell phone. you got to be careful in that. And there's some vile, wicked things that are out there. You know it. I know it. But just as dangerous is the, is the hellish philosophy that permeates through all of it. That attacks the home, attacks the church, attacks the Word of God. You've got to guard yourself against that. So I have a responsibility. If I'm going to walk, are you with me tonight? If I'm going to walk worthy, I can't give place to the devil. If I'm going to have one heart, one unity... In the church, I can't give place to the devil. 
If I am going to not be deceived by false doctrine, I can't give place to the devil. If I'm going to put off the old man and put on Christ, I can't give place to the devil because he's going to influence me to the exact opposite. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God seals us to the day of redemption. But the Holy Spirit of God is there to bear witness. What do, you, what do you mean? As we read the Word of God, it's the Holy Spirit of God inside you that says, that's exactly right. It's not the pastor that steps on your toes, it's the Spirit of God that steps on your toes. It, he is the one who reminds us of our salvation. He lives within us. We're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I've used this illustration before, but it, would, it, would, it should grieve you if I came one Sunday and said, okay, we don't have anything going on here Monday night, Tuesday night, and, there, and there's, some, there's some local uh, parties that want to take place, and so we're going to clear things out and let them have their parties in here. And Yeah, there'll probably be some alcohol and things of that nature. And we're, just, it, it, we're not here on Monday night and Tuesday night. We say, Pastor, we can't do that. That grieves God. But yet... We're the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So we have to be careful that there's not something that I let in my life that would grieve Him. Worry less about our living bothering the pastor. Worry more about our living grieving the Spirit of God. So I'm not preaching tonight on grieving the Spirit. We're told not to grieve the Spirit. But I want to illustrate for you and I that we can give place to the devil or we can surrender. The opposite of grieving him is surrendering to him. Living in a way that will please him and honor him. We don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. Again, this is all reinforcing what we know as a Christian, and that is there are some things that we need to put off. There's some things that we need to put on. I have, if I just leave it up to my flesh, it depends on my mood. You know how it is. Some days you come to church, it's like, man, I'm ready to get something from God. Every song just feels different. You're singing it as loud as you can. Boy, it just feels good to be in church. You know what I'm talking about? Well, if you don't, maybe one day you'll discover that. Then there's other Sundays. Our flesh just, let's just be honest. Our flesh is just like, I hope Pastor has a good one today. Maybe he'll tell a joke. Maybe that'll help me. Oh, I have, wait, it's just our flesh. The point being, we can't just leave it up to how we feel. We've got to make a conscious decision. Otherwise, we're going to fall under the wrong influence. So we have to be careful not to give place to the devil. We must live so that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. We live in a way that would honor God. Now, I've taken the time to lay this foundation. I'm going to give you the outline, but I will just give it very, very quickly tonight. Because it's important for us to be reminded that it's whatever we give our, whatever influence we give our heart to, out of our heart are going to come those issues of life. And we cannot insulate ourselves from this world to the point where we don't have to react to it. Paul is beginning the chapter, chapter number four, and deals with our walk. 
In the latter part of the chapter, he is dealing with heart issues that ultimately are affected by our walk. So it's important that we have the right walk because our, there are heart issues that if we don't have the right walk, they're going to manifest themselves. As I alluded to this morning in mentioning the message tonight, there are, of course, some vile things out there that we'd be quick to say, I should have no part of that. But I would say for the average Christian, for you and I, it is these heart issues that when we don't allow ourselves to be influenced by the Spirit of God that can take hold in our life, and it keeps us from having a clean heart, just like the vile things that we would label vile of this world. Now let's consider this, this evening very quickly. If we consider who we allow to be that greater influence, we must consider these things. Now, you can look at this outline a couple of ways. I'm going to point out at the end of the chapter some things for us to avoid or some things that you find them in your life. It's a good checklist for us to say, okay, I need to reevaluate and find out where the influence is. It can be as simple as I'm not yielding myself to the Spirit of God to help me overcome my flesh. For example, when somebody does something to us, our, immediate re- our flesh says, okay, respond, retaliate, revenge, get even. We have to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God to act like Christ would act. Uh, So with this, I want to point out, it's important for us to always be reminded of this. And as I said, I'm very aware of the time, and I'll move very quickly tonight, but I wanted to take the time to lay that foundation. There's a conscious decision for us to not give place to the devil. I've said this, and sometimes you see, if I could see actual question marks pop up over your head, it would happen because because it just goes against our nature. That's, I'm going to remind us, and I'm going to make this statement now and get to it in just a moment, but bitterness has got more Christians out of church than adultery has. Bitterness has destroyed more churches and destroyed more homes. And we got to be very, how does that come? We give place to the devil. We give place to him. Let me, let me mention some things. So look at verse number 29. Let no, not a little bit, No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's a pretty straightforward command, isn't it? And that's the first thing I want us to see tonight. There's corrupt communication. That corrupt speaks of that which would be rotten. Or that which has disintegrated. Like a a, a rotten piece of fruit. Nobody wants to eat a rotten piece of fruit, a a decaying carcass, that corrupt communication, that <coughs> manner of living, that those words that come out of our mouth, uh, it's just, there's nothing good to it. There's nothing, say, well, Pastor, there's not a chapter and verse. Does it have any good? Is it, is it good communication? If we give place to the devil, that's the kind of communication. That's what the other Gentiles, that's their communication. But Paul reminds them, you did not to walk as the other Gentiles. If our heart is under the right influence, we'll not have that corrupt communication. That can be the words we say in context of the world we live in. It can be the 
texts we send. Sometimes the talk is, well, I wasn't cussing. Is it like a piece of rotten fruit? There's no, there's no value in it. You don't keep rotten fruit around your house. Well, if you do, do you need to reevaluate this. <laughs> keep rotten fruit around the house and say, oh, I'm going to eat that later. No, you, you get, with it, get rid of it. As a matter of fact, when that rotten fruit touches up against good fruit, it begins to decay the good fruit. The corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Is what I'm about to say, does it edify? Uh, we got to be very, very careful that we don't have our communication with that corruption that tears down. If you have social media, you know exactly what I, I'm gonna, what the, I mean when I say this. The internet troll who just lives to make comments in the corruption, we don't be a real-life troll. And the corrupt communication that comes out of our mouth is rotten like a piece of fruit. There ought to be sweet words that come out of the mouth of a child of God. Number two, look at me at verse number 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Hateful actions. I want you to notice that word malice. He writes about bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. We'll mention all those things again. We understand. We understand the importance of a child of God not having those things as part of their life. But that word malice puts it in greater context. It speaks of a disposition to injure others without cause. For mere personal gratification or from a spirit of revenge, unprovoked malignity or spite. Quite frankly, there's a lot of bitter Christians, bitter Baptists who get on the internet and they try and hurt anybody who claims to be a child of God. So why do they do that? Have they been a victim? No, they've given place to the devil. And you don't have to tell them I said so. They'll find out. It's giving place. The Spirit of God doesn't have for you go after people who just because they hold a certain position, you've got to try and injure them. And by the way, Young people hear me well, and young adults hear me well. Uh, there's some who have gone out, and not just from, chur- from churches just like this one, and they are bitter and angry at their parents because of the Christian home they reared them in. While there are many out in this world who would give anything to have a mom and dad who would take them to church and to, to, to rear them in a certain way, and they could have been saved from a lot of heartache and trouble and trials if they had had that. But it is not a yielding to the Spirit of God. It is a spirit of revenge, that malice that comes in. And bitterness in itself will destroy you, but you add malice to it. and You've got a more vile creature, but they're saved. I'll say it again, a more vile creature. And someone who's living in the gutter.
Yet, this is free. This, has, this is just in addition to this. Yet, but we will be more patient with that one who's trying to injure others than we will somebody who is bound by sin and needs Christ. We, I, can't give my, 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 I can't give a place to the devil because all of us, all of us tonight could say this, that all of us could say there's people who've done us wrong. All of us could say there's somebody at church who offended me. And by the way, I remind us, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're offended, <clears throat> the first thing you need to do is take a look at your own heart according to the word of God. But if I give place to the devil, that bitterness will take hold of my life, and you put malice with that, that is giving place to the devil. You take wrath. That wrath is that violent anger. And anger and clamor, that noise and disruption and evil speaking. By the way, I'll remind us all tonight that what God says he hates, we need to take very seriously. When God calls something an abomination, we better sit up even straighter. And just as he would call homosexuality an abomination, he calls gossip and slander, discord sowing, an abomination. He puts it on the same level. That's evil speaking. Now we ought, we ought to we got the we ought to and I don't have to remind us of this by end. We ought to we ought to love people and we ought to hate the sin. I'm just saying, there's a lot of Christians and preachers that will take a stand against one abomination and then participate in the other one. Oh, I feel all alone tonight. Why does that happen? Because I've allowed my heart to have the wrong influence. Pastor, if you understood what I had gone through, you'd understand how oh, I, I could probably understand better than you think. My point is, we can give our heart, give a place to the devil, or we can yield our heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have a choice. That leads me to number Three and four, very quickly. Look at verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. Kindness or unkindness, depending on what influence you've allowed. Kindness comes from a tender heart. It's right there, tender hearted. We need to get, it, it takes yielding to the Spirit of God, the influence of the Spirit of God, to be kind to people, just in general, but especially to return kindness when we've received unkindness. Kindness, you, you read of the good old days. I didn't live in the good old days as described by my grandparents and all of them. The good, but as I picture the good old days, I picture people were kind. Christians were kind. That used to be a trade. Well, that, they're so nice and kind and pleasant that they must be a Christian. And by the way, it still ought to be a trade. But now Christians have given place to, a, to the devil and we're not kind like we should be. It takes no money for you to be kind. I'm just not in the mood for it. Get in the mood for it. 
be kind. Then we see, fourthly, be kind one to another, tender heart, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, forgiving one another. Forgiveness or unforgiveness as it manifests itself. Pastor, you, I've been wrong. I've, I don't even want to think or talk about what, somebody else, what people have done to me or somebody's done to me. I'm very sympathetic to that, and I'm sorry for whatever that might be. But we have a command to forgive. It's hard. You don't, I understand. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was easy. Christ went to the cross because of the sins of others, not because of his own sin. If he endured all of the blasphemy, the, the beating, the cat of nine tails, the spitting in the face, the pain and suffering, in his final words were, Father, forgive them, that's the pattern that you and I ought to follow. Being blunt, if you're refusing to forgive, you've given place to the devil. Now, there's a whole series that can be taught on forgiveness. Sometimes you've got to forgive more than one time. I forgave them, but then it comes right back. You've got to forgive them again. Forgive them again. Uh, you know, there's different offenses. You know, there's some greater offenses than than somebody stealing your seat that you had saved on, on Sunday morning. And if you're new around here, you've learned, if you ain't sitting in it, somebody's probably going to take it. But we got to be a forgiving individual. It's just a matter, are we giving place to the devil? Or are we yielding to the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Jesus provided forgiveness through his sacrifice for us. God has accepted forgiveness. They're one and the same. It grieves the Spirit of God when a child of God will not forgive. Tonight, this message is to remind us of how to have, we can have victory in our, in our life. <clears throat> sometimes, not sometimes, many times, it is easier for us to get on poor, board when we're talking about the sins of this wicked, wicked world. And there's many of them for us to preach on. But this Bible reminds us over and over and over again First of all, that we're accountable not for the sins of the world. We're accountable for us in our heart. But this Bible also reminds us that according to our heart and according to our actions that proceed from our heart affects what God does with this world. Can you, oh, we, we need revival. We need revival. We need revival. We're never going to have it until Christians deal with their bitterness. Can you imagine what would happen if all those who knew Christ forgave, cast off their bitterness, got the devil out of their life? And by the way, 
I describe those that have left churches like this and are angry and bitter and with malice trying to hurt anybody. They're out there in the political realm too. They, they, they target uh, uh, candidates and their wives and their family that hold to a certain ideology. That's exactly what's described. But for a Christian to do that, that is even a greater offense. I've described that. But there's a lot of Christians who sit on their church pew week in and week out and, and, and they're dressed just to a certain degree and, and they're doing everything. They're putting the check in the offering plate but they've given the place to the devil in their life because they're still harboring something in their heart they've yet to forgive. Because you've given the place to the devil. Because you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, don't forgive. Well, forgive was right, but I want to forgive just because the devil doesn't want me to forgive. Tonight, let's make sure our heart is clean. If you're dabbling in things that you shouldn't dabble in, certainly we touched on that this morning. Get rid of it. Lay it at the altar tonight. Get victory of that. Confess it. You have to confess it. But you also, as a Christian, you're going to have to take off the old man and say, I'm not, make a conscious decision. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm going to start acting like a Christian acts. What would Christ do? And then we've got to make sure that when it comes to the issues of the heart, we don't give place to the devil. We don't grieve the spirit, but we yield to the spirit. Uh, let's take inventory of our heart tonight. Is there something in our heart that grieves God? When God looks at our nation, the fact that there's even a debate about abortion or it's more accurate named baby murder, it grieves the heart of God. There's even a discussion about what a home is, a marriage is. It grieves the heart of God. You, you know I love history, and that's one of the reasons why I can't pay too close attention to what's going on in the political scene, because if our forefathers were re resurrected, they wouldn't just go from one party, they'd take them all out. And we have, go we have gone from a nation founded under God to having to pass laws that men can't compete in women's sports. That grieves the heart of God. It angers the heart of God. Next time Congress meets to vote, I don't get a vote. I don't sit on the Supreme Court to revisit Roe versus Wade. But let me tell you what I do have the opportunity to do. I do have the opportunity to have a clean heart and to forgive and to be kind and to let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth. We can do that because I'm telling you, Christians, we can grieve the Spirit of God in the same way that we just, I just described. But we would never participate in that, and we shouldn't. But we grieve the Holy Spirit when things come out of our mouth that should not come out of our mouth. We grieve the Spirit of God when we harbor bitterness. I'm preaching like this tonight because I, I, don't, I don't know who's dealing with this, but I, I felt very certain that I should preach this message tonight. It leads me to believe there's somebody in this building who's still harboring some unforgiveness. 
I'm trying to help you get free. Well, they don't deserve it. Neither do you, neither do I. We don't deserve forgiveness, but God freely granted it. I'm supposed to be like him. I don't think I can do it. With the Spirit's help, you can do it. You can do it. Tonight, let's make sure our heart is under the right influence. And let me just interject this. If you have a hard time with bitterness, stay away from bitter people. That's probably a good rule anyway. Stay away from bitter people. They become scorners very, very quickly. The book of Proverbs is very, very clear how to deal with a scorner. I'd rather deal with a broken person than a bitter person any day. If you have a hard time with forgiveness, don't search for somebody else who's, who's not forgiven as well. Oh, the right influences will help you. Father, help us as we consider these truths.